This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Working with Authors, the Literary Briefs Rapid Fire Question Edition. I'm your host, Erica Lance, and co-hosting today with me is... Vanessa Valiente. And our guest is the amazing, the slightly naughty writing, Zena Wynn. <laughs> okay, let's talk about what we're drinking, because we always do so people can drink along. I am drinking Angry Orchard Hard Cider Crisp Apple. It has a little apple with a bite out of it. I think that's weird. But anyway, moving on from that. Vanessa, what are you drinking? Uh, Well, I was drinking rum and Coke, but I had to cut myself off uh, because we're celebrating my grandmother's birthday. So I don't want to be lit at the dinner table. (laughs) So I'm just sitting on on air right now. So woo-woo. Yeah, now you're not going to seem lit saying shit like I'm sipping on air right now. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Zena, what are you drinking? I am drinking my handy dandy Gatorade. He's <laughs> getting electrolytes out of this deal. Okay, rapid fire questions. Zena, are you ready? Yes. What is your favorite book of all time? Mine or someone else's? Yours. One that you like to read. Um. Oh wow. When you read a lot, it's hard to have a favorite. I will say that one book that I've read and listened to multiple times is um, it's a book by, believe it or not, Nora Roberts. And it's, wow. The name that's coming to me is not the name of that book. The Witness. That's what it was. The Witness. Okay. I've read it 20 times and I will eventually remember the title. coming to my mind was um the obsession which is also by her but that's not the one why do you like that book so much with the i'm sorry about the traffic no worry okay um the way she writes it when it starts off this the heroine is a teenager when it starts off and um she's a genius and her mother basically planned her life from conception to birth. So she set a path for her. Um, You know, like what school she went through, what program she was going to study. And her one moment of teenage rebellion, her mother goes out of town. Um, She's broken yet another promise, uh, promise. And she hooks up with a bad girl at her school and they go to this club that she doesn't know is run by the mob. I think it's the Russian mob, the Brockpa. Oh, wow. um, She witnesses a murder. And she has to go into the witness protection program. And then... um, it talks about how her mother abandons her and she's put in the witness protection program and they come after her and the agents that are protecting her gets killed and she's blamed for the murder. And she like goes on the run as a teenager and she stays underground. And when you pick, they pick up with her again, 
She's 30. She's moved to this small mountain town. She's the reclusive person who just brought this property that won't only comes into town early in the morning to do her grocery shopping. Everything else is delivered because she's still afraid of the Russian mob. <laughs> and it's just fascinating the amount of detail that she goes into about this woman's life and, you know, how they eventually... You know, she comes out of hiding and it was just one surprise after another. And I think what enthralled me so much with the book is the first time I read it, I listened to the audio book and the narrator did such a phenomenal job that even when I read the print, I hear the narrator's voice. Audio book narration is no joke. People follow narrators. Yeah. We're super lucky. We have some really good narrators that work for Four Horsemen, our publication company. But I'll tell you, finding good narrators and narrators you want to listen to, because they can ruin a book. I've started to try to listen to books and the narration is just so, not the book, the narration is so terrible or the voice is just so annoying that I'm like, I don't care if I want to listen to this book. I can't get through it. It's so bad, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Okay. Least favorite book of all time. I won't even say the name of it, <laughs> but an author that I met at a conference, I was trying to be supportive and I bought her book that was billed as a romance and she killed the heroine at the end of the book. I don't write bad reviews, <laughs> but I wrote a bad review I instant messaged her and said, you need to not claim this is a romance. How dare you kill the heroine at that very end? That is not a romance. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I, I kind of went on a rampage. <laughs> I am not buying anything else for No, we have a friend that talks about this. So my, one of my next questions are, do you have to have a happy ending in a book? If it's going to be a romance, it better have a happy ending. Can it be happy for now? Or is it have to have a tied up with a bow happy ending? Now, see, the writer in me knows that tied, it depends on your definition of tied up with a bow. If the hero and heroine at, are at a good place, and you, you feel, or I, the reader, feel that they're really going to make it, make something of their relationship. You know, they're in love. You know, the next step is marriage, whether they say it or not. I'm good with that. I do have a book that I wrote that um, it was a two series book. And from the very beginning, the mother of the hero was against them being together. And at the end of book two, she was still against them being together because she's a very devout Catholic. And the heroine not only was not Catholic, but she was divorced. So, you oh, know, wow. yeah. And I talked to people who are Catholics and they were like, no, she'll never come around. And I, I you know, put that bit of realism in my story and there were some readers that were mad because 
to them, that was not a happy ending because everyone was not happy about their relationship. Well, no, I think that's way better sticking true to it because anybody who's Catholic that reads that would be like, this is not accurate. Right. This mom would be mad. What are your pet peeves when it comes to being a reader of romance? Like what are the, besides killing people, Dan, we already know, never hand you a book where the heroine is killed at the end. Got that noted. But what do you consider your other pet peeves to be when it comes to being a reader? I would say that mine are tech, more technical because I spent a couple of years being an editor. <laughs> so I may notice some things that other people don't. Um, one of my things is, um, okay, for instance, the heroine runs, runs into the room with a gun and the scene is going on. And then after a while, you're like, well, what happened to the gun? The gun is never mentioned again. <laughs> or a uh, scene where I was reading a book and um, someone was in trouble. So it was like three different couples. They all drunk, jumped into their individual vehicles and rushed over to the person's house. And somehow when they left, I think the author forgot that she had them in individual vehicles. And they all climbed into the same car together. And I'm like, that will actually pull me out of a book. And I literally flipped the page back like, wait, what? <laughs> so inconsistencies like that. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that, yeah, that gets me. Romance novel where there was chemistry between two characters and then nothing happens. It's like nothing, then nothing becomes of it. Um. You know what? I'm okay. Well, you know what? I take that back. <laughs> it depends on the book. Um, like, if, if there's a lot of action and stuff, and, you know, they're showing a strong chemistry, I don't have to see that played out on stage, but I did just, I think during the shutdown, I read a new to me author. It was a paranormal series um, where she was human and they were other. Yeah, that's the term she used. And there was like this attraction like throughout three books. This this couple, three, you know, you see the progression and then at the very end of book three, the author has the hero give the heroine a kiss on the cheek and they decide to be a couple. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? I read through three books of watching this relationship develop for that. Yeah, so, yeah. that's when you're disappointed with the end result. Do you watch um, the movies? Do you watch the Hallmark romance movies? Are you romance movie person too or just a book person um i really really try not to watch the hallmark things because those that's like lifetime it sucks you in you can't get anything done <laughs> if you like lifetime uh, you know it's on par with the harley Quinn movies it, you, 
if you don't get up fast enough and you see the first five minutes, you might as well sit down because you just wait. Two hours are going to pass before you can get up and move again. It's, it's true. I, you know, what's so funny is I love paranormal romance and stuff like that. I do. It's a guilty pleasure. I have read so many Harlequin books when I was younger, but those Hallmark movies drive me crazy. <laughs> really? It's so dumb. Like it's so predictable what's going to happen. I'm just like, and not that books aren't predictable too, but I just go, who wrote this? Like, I want to, I know they make hundreds of these a year and they're some of the top grossing movies because, you know, people love them, but I just like, it's almost predictable. Like if there's a bakery in it, like I was joking with a friend of mine who loves these movies. I was just making up titles like the, the, um, you know, raccoon doctor and the woman who loved him. Like, you know, and that's his job is he went up to this one mountain place in Montana to save the records. This isn't a true movie, by the way. But I was like, I said it to her and she goes, that's a movie? And I'm like, no, that's not a movie. Why the hell would you think that was a movie? And she's like, well, it sounded plausible. I'm like, oh, my God. How are we here that that's a movie? Like, yeah, I think the only time I for like, I generally don't watch Hallmark movies, but I kind of forget, I, I will sort of during the holidays, like. Yes. Ones, like Christmas Prince. Oh my oh, God. Yes. Okay. I refuse, I had told myself, I'm never going to watch those. It's never going to happen. And I finally ended up watching it when it showed the third one, which was the baby. <laughs> so I watched the Prince, the wedding and the baby. And at the end of it, I'm like, why did I do this? <laughs> they're terrible, but they're at the same time. I agree. They're kind of like addictive. Like you have to sit there and you have to watch the raccoon doctor fall in love with the mountain woman who traps tigers or something like some weird obscure. She's a bakery or a coffee shop. That's really modern and hip in this little tiny town. For some reason it's, like a Starbucks, they make lattes because all the lumberjacks want lattes. You like the Vanessa Hudgens one where she switches with the princess. Oh my, don't. The I one, didn't bring that one, but she does a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, she did like, the one is the regular girl who makes Christmas cookies or is the baker. And then she runs into a girl that looks just like her who happens to be the princess. And then they switch places. And I, then the third one is the sociolite. Like, I just was like, what is happening here? I can't even stand it. <laughs> okay, what is your favorite book to movie adaptation? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, I don't have to have read the book, do I? No. I like Twilight. The whole Twilight saga. No, but the movies were good. <laughs> Even though they were teenagers. But so. <laughs> well, how about worst movie adaption? Worst movie or TV show adaption? The worst. You have to have read that book because yeah, you have to know whether or not it's good. I did, and it was. Um, I love Julie Garwood, her historicals because they're so hysterical, and they did a TV adaption of For the Roses, and I hated, hated the way they portrayed the heroine in the TV adaption. 
they took uh, a really cool heroine and made her bratty. And I was like, I was so mad. I wanted to write the author and be like, how did you let them do this to your character? Well, that's interesting. So what happens if somebody wants to adapt your books to film and TV? Are you going to let them do it? I would be very cautious about it because I know, um, I think I would have to get a lawyer to make sure that they kept my characters true to who they are portrayed to be. I understand that for the adaptation, um, there are some things that will have to be cut because you can't put everything that's in a book in a um, movie. But I think if you're going to use an author's creative product, you need to stay true to at least the intent behind the plot of the book and not just use it as a loose guideline and say, you know, that's their, it's their book. Because if someone picks up the book um, after watching the movie, they're not going to, yeah. I, I learned that in high school when we had to watch, um, we read, uh, what is the book? 10th grade, it's something everybody has to watch. Set in the 60s. With the little girl. Um, I'm sorry. Kill a Mockingbird? Yes. We we read To Kill a Mockingbird and the class across from us read The Glass Menagerie. And then both classes watched both movies. We didn't like the TV movie To Kill a Mockingbird because we felt they left too much out. But we loved The Glass Menagerie and those that read it and then later um, I saw remember when they used to take Sidney Sheldon's books and make them TV movies mm -hmm. yeah I, I saw Rage of Angels and then I read the book oh my god the book is so much different than the TV show well and I think that's what you have to be willing to have when you're willing to give up to let them adapt it because it's like when they went to make Jurassic Park, I remember thinking, well, first of all, they're making it into a kid's movie. So I was a little like, um, but you know, I read when I heard it was coming, I went and read Jurassic Park and I was like, okay. And then I watched the movie and I'm like, there's approximately six pages of this book in this movie. Right. And a lot of the characters had the names, but they weren't really what the characters were about in the book. And it's, I think that's true, you know, even in Twilight and things like that, like that you, you read them and there's, you're going to have so much more depth in a hundred thousand word story than you're ever going to get on the maybe 120 pages of script Right. And if you look at a script page, it's not really 120 pages of script. It's probably more about 25 full pages if you just, you know, let the text flow. And it doesn't. It's in groupings, you know. So there's no way you're ever going to get the idea uh, sometimes even of the, the story. Like you see that in The Arrival. If you've ever read the book, The Arrival, very different than the movie, right? Yeah. And well, I, 
we, it's good that we live in a time now that uh, Netflix and Hulu and all that. I feel like Game of Thrones really kind of changed that because a lot of these books to get that depth, you can't put it in one movie. It needs to be a full TV show. And right you know, to give it proper time. And I'm like, I'm glad now that that's being more of a thing than it used to be because you lose all those little things in translation without having more screen time, you know? Yeah. No. Usually if I've read a book and they make a movie from it, I won't watch the movie because nine times out of 10, I'm going to be disappointed. No, it makes sense. How do you feel about audio books versus um, eBooks or paperbacks? I let's just say my Audible library has over 200 books. <laughs> and oh, it's wow. growing. Audio books allow me to multitask. Mm. Uh, my first introduction to audio books, I didn't like it. And I think that was because of the narrator. But they have narrators now that if you're listening to it, it's like listening to a play. Uh, you know, what they do to voices and the emotions, and you can literally lose yourself in what you're listening to. I love the full cast, like audiobooks with a full cast. Um, the one I remember the first time I ever heard one was, uh, it was called um, Illuminae with, by Jay Kristoff and Amy Kaufman, and they had multiple characters, and they had a full cast of voice actors. And it's a sci-fi too. So they had like sound effects and all this background things. And it, it literally just brought the whole story to life. Like almost as if it was a movie without watching a movie. And it's the best right. one, like, you know, you're having to vacuum or you're <laughs> having to cook. And you hear that in the background. It just makes that mundane task just way more exciting. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I think audiobooks were also so brilliant on commutes. And it's funny, oh, yes. a friend, that um, when we have to go drive somewhere, she's like, I'll drive, I'm going. And I'm like, it's like an hour and a half. Do you want to drive by yourself? And she's like, yeah, I'm going to listen to audiobooks. Like she <laughs> hasn't been listening to them. And she's like, I'm going to drive and listen to audio. I'm good. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it can make the drive so much faster. Like when I um I live in Jacksonville, so to go to Daytona, I already had my audio book lined up. First thing I did when I got in the car and got settled was start it play. <laughs> and then got on the road. <laughs> oh my God, that's so true. Okay. Vanessa, last question to you before we have to wrap up here, my friend. Okay. Uh two parter. Worst and best trope that you like to read. Worst and best. Isn't that an oxymoron worst that I like to read? <laughs> A trope that you love to read and a trope you don't like to read. Gotcha. Okay. Um, tropes. So, I like second chances. Okay. As a trope, and I, I'm a I'm gonna say two. And okay. faded. I like for paranormal side. I like faded mates. Mm -hmm. Contemporary. I like I like second chances. And worst. I'm not really into the motorcycle stuff. Some people can do it very well. Other people, it's not so well. I'm kind of hit or miss with those. 
Okay. I like it. Makes sense. Nice. Okay, so give another little snippet of advice to our, our listeners out there. For well, um, writing advice. Oh, okay, writing advice. advice. Or just life advice. I mean, I know I'm the only one drinking here, but you can make it whatever you want it to be. <laughs> um, I would say, okay, so when you're a writer and you want to release something, there is a delicate balance between not taking five years to write a book but not publishing the first draft either. <laughs> so <laughs> take the time to polish your book. But yeah, I don't understand people that says, oh yeah, I've been working on my book for five to 10 years. I'm like, what are you writing? A dissertation? <laughs> I don't understand. It. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. <laughs> I'm one of those people, Zena. so... <laughs> I I'm hoping that I do enough shows with Vanessa. She'll eventually take this advice and finish her damn book. That's my goal. That is my goal. I think a lot of that, though, um, is fear. Being a writer and putting your inner thoughts out there for public consumption, even though it's fiction, you have to develop thick skin because um, not everybody's going to like it and then you have to remind yourself when that negative or semi-negative or critical review comes in that's just one person's opinion and as humans we have a tendency to focus on the negative 50 people can tell us our book was good and we're going to focus on that one person <laughs> that said well, you know, I think it could have been this, that, or the other. So, yeah. No, that's so true. That's so true. Okay, cool. So, where do people find you? I am on, um, I have a website. Find me there. I am on Facebook. I am sometimes on Instagram, but I'm going to get better about being there. Yeah. Um, I have an Amazon page. I'm at all the distributors, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, Audible. Yeah, I'm pretty much somewhere everywhere. You can even find me at Walmart online. Perfection. Perfection. What is the web address to your main website at least? So that they can see your full like profile and everything. What's the web address? Okay, so it's www.zenawin.com. Dot com and I'm in the process like I said um before of switching to a new website um my my host sent out a letter saying yeah we're not doing this anymore you need to upgrade or move over or something so I was like if I have to create a whole new website I'm just going to Wix <laughs> so, I'm in the process of creating I hope to have that online in the next two weeks very, very cool. You have been amazing. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you. And I can't wait to meet you in person. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so I can scream your name across. The I haven't forgotten that. I'm not forgetting that. That's going to happen. So you have been amazing. Okay, this has been Drinking with Authors Literary Briefs. I've been your host, Erica Lance. And I'm Vanessa Valiente. And we will see you next time. <laughs>